You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. My name is Parker McDonald, and today is episode number eight. Today we're talking about spring scouting on public land with my good friend, Michael Pike. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am very, very happy to be here today on Friday because that means tomorrow is Saturday and I don't have to do anything except for sleep in because turkey season is officially done and over in Alabama and I have never been more excited for a season to be over. Um, I spent the majority of my week last week, every free like minute I got. Whether it be raining or shining, I was out in the turkey woods looking for birds, and they kicked my butt. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it was tough, and so I'm pretty pretty excited that um, that it's over because I, I'm tired. I've had very little sleep in the last few days, and so I'm, I'm glad that it's over. I came close yesterday. Yesterday was the last day, and I, am, uh, I, I got to hang my hat on a really good hunt. And I was thinking about this, though. I was thinking about, um, as some of you guys know, I shot a, I shot uh, a turkey on the opening day. It was a really good bird, too. And I shot it on the opening day of turkey season here in Alabama on public land, which was my goal. I wanted to shoot a turkey on public land. And I did it. And I was thinking on my way back to the truck, walking back to the truck, I'm like, you know, I don't really have anything to be bummed about. I don't have anything to be upset about. I did what a lot of people have a really difficult time doing is killing a turkey on public land you don't meet a ton of people out here in my where i live that can kill multiple birds on public land and so um let alone even one and so i consider that to be a uh, pretty good accomplishment and and i'm thankful for it i'm thankful for what the lord blessed me with i was thinking about being you know being grateful um for the way that it happened because i was able to have less pressure on me um, and just be able to enjoy the woods. And I did. I definitely did. Um, but a lot of the time, I felt like I was doing more scouting 
uh, for deer season than I was actually turkey hunting. And so that's why this episode was kind of fresh on my mind of doing an episode strictly about spring scouting. And I know a lot of you guys are already doing that and you already have your own tactics and, and things that you that you do during the spring. But this episode is going to be more focused on finding their spring patterns um, and to figure out what kind of deer are in your area. And it's going to be really based on public land scouting. And you can use these same things that we talk about on private land. But I got my friend Michael Pike with me and he is um, just a really knowledgeable guy about the whitetail woods. And every time I go out uh, into the woods scouting with him, it's like, Dude, how do you even know the things that you know? And he's just he's just dedicated and he loves to do it. He spends a couple days a week until the season starts scouting for deer. And uh, I think you'll be able to tell that with the way that he talks and the things that he tells you that maybe you had never even thought about before. And so I'm I'm super stoked about him uh, being on the show. His name is Divergent on the Hunting Beast. So some of you guys may be on that forum as well and have seen some of his stuff. Uh, he's just a, a, a wealth of knowledge because I, I, I'm grateful to have people uh, like him in my life to teach me things and to show me new tricks. And um, So I'm really, really excited to have him on the show. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Um, as always, guys, we really, really appreciate our partners over at Onyx Maps. These guys put out such an incredible product. I cannot stress it to you enough how incredible Onyx is. I spent a large majority of my time, like I said, scouting during turkey season and just walking around the woods, going every corner of a piece of property that I possibly could. And the only reason I was able to do that was because of Onyx Maps. And so I really, really appreciate their product. You guys, go ahead and stop this podcast right now. Just pause it. Go to um, your app store or your Google Play Store or whatever, you guys who don't use uh, iPhones, whatever whatever you use, and download Onyx and use the free trial. Just try it out, and I can pretty much guarantee you that you're not going to want to give it up. So uh, we really, really, really love our Onyx Maps. Um, that's all I got for today. We're going to go ahead and get into this episode. It goes a little bit longer, but it's worth it because there's a lot of really good information. So without further ado, here's Michael Pike. So when I go, I follow a lot of pages and I don't really pay attention to who I follow on my Instagram. Like I just follow people. Right. Just refresh it. Sure enough, this time it's going to be different. But what I see on here is a whole bunch of pictures of boobs. Girls like holding up a fish that they <laughs> just shot with a bow. There you go. <laughs> see, dude, like who is this chick? I'm not going to say her name. And you follow her. Yeah, and I'm like, she only has 141 followers, and for some reason, I follow her on here. What was the first picture? Maybe she, maybe she duped you into uh, following no, her. No, I know what it is. Like, I follow a lot of people that it suggests that I should follow. Okay, because usually it's pretty cool right, people. Right. Like, I've I've met a lot of people that I follow on Instagram, uh-huh. and usually, like, it's pretty cool people. Literally, holy cow, dude! Literally. <laughs> I'm not lying, dude, Bow man. fishing. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> bow fishing. It's the page, dude. And it's like, we're sitting here talking about, like, there's some cool ones, like, awesome. Like, cool, right, you right, know? Right, Like, I'm all about female hunters and things like that. Like, that's really cool. But there's some things, man, that 
It's like you don't even know what they're hunting. <laughs> no, what are, you, what are you hunting? Like naked. <laughs> I don't get it, dude. On this episode of Naked and Afraid. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's like people, like you know that some man running this Instagram account is like, I'm just going to get a whole ton of likes <laughs> on this one now. And like, oh man, I just, the reason I brought that up is because how disheartening is it whenever you're a public land hunter? Like you bust your butt all the time, year in, year out. Uh And for, I mean, for fun, I mean, you do it for fun. It's not like you do it for Instagram likes or anything like that. Right. But you post a picture and it gets like 10 likes, not you specifically, but just us guys. It gets like 10 likes. You're like, this is the coolest picture that I've ever taken in my life. And 10 people thought it was cool. Right. And then some girl, just because she has... On a bikini bow fishing, she's got 1.2 million likes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like... (laughs) Like, come on. I mean, I get it. Like there is a, there is a standard of, of likability and there's one thing that most men like and it's what she is, is showing to everybody. I don't know what he's talking about, babe. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't, I don't My wife don't listen to this. <laughs> she don't listen to the podcast. What are you talking about? I mean, like I understand the, I, I understand wanting people to like your page and see your content, but dude, it's, it's starting to get ridiculous. Right. right. Like, I can't hardly get on, on, I like there's sometimes when I'm around like church people or something and I'm looking at Instagram, I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, and I follow, I unfollow these pages. Everybody's a mullet toss right now. And you're like, uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Dude, I'm going to, I'm going to call one out right now. Okay. There's one page that's called fish bras. Okay. <laughs> like, and so this was like the first experience I had with this and having a hunting page and these kind of people follow you and they like your whatever. And, um, I, somehow I just started following this page cause I was doing all the suggested things and, and then it just got weird. Like it started being like every time I would get on, it's like some girl without a top on most of the time, usually uh-huh. they don't have a top, but they're holding a fish over it. It's right. the name fish bras. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this whole page is dedicated to softcore porn. Yeah. I just can't. Oh, I can't stand it. Anyways, it's good to have Michael Pike <laughs> here today um, from where are you actually from? I'm from Corner, Alabama. Corner, Alabama. Corner, Alabama. There's a whole five people that yeah, live there. Yeah. Yeah. There's more cows than there are people. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, we got Michael here and we have a lot of really cool things to talk about. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so just a little backstory about Michael. He is, uh, I've been out in the woods how many times, like three times, four times with you right. so far. Uh, we met each other a long time ago because he was, um, dating somebody that was a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, at the time, <laughs> obviously he wasn't married yet, but he was dating her. And so we met like, right. You know, I yeah. didn't even really know that you hunted. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I think you just moved here. Uh, yeah. I did. Yeah. I had just moved to Alabama and, and we met and I guess we became friends on Instagram or uh, Facebook pretty quick. And so just throughout the years, been seeing you post stuff about, about deer hunting and, and things like that. And, uh, um, that's been, that's been really cool to get to see. And then one day I can't even remember what we were doing, but we were messaging back and forth on Facebook and it's just like, Hey, you want to go scouting? Sure. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Right. You know, and so we went scouting and, uh, man, had a really good time. You got to hear a little bit from Michael. Yeah. uh, Two episodes ago. 
Yeah, and by a little bit, he means like uh, 10 feet away from the microphone. At least I have my own microphone this time, so you can hear me. I'm not some just weirdo off in the background. Well, we whispering. don't have, we don't have uh, Aaron Warbritton and Zach Farrenball right. and Corndog in the room, so you yeah. get to have your own mic right, today. Right. Uh, no, I, I have a limited supply of mics, and um, I mean, I'm not trying to say that everybody wanted to hear from them more, but... Right, I right, mean, yeah. No, I think even you probably no. yeah. wanted to yeah. hear from them more. Uh, we've gotten to hang out in the woods and scout, and I'm telling you guys, this dude knows how to scout public land in Alabama, and I would imagine in anywhere he steps foot at, he knows how to find where big, giant public land whitetails live. He doesn't uh, always kill them. Yeah, yeah. My dad calls me uh, the guide, <laughs> uh, and anybody who's ever hunted with me, yeah, that's I'm not a killer. Um, I'm a guide basically because I miss everything. So <laughs> <laughs> you know how to find them. Yeah. You yeah, got can, that part down. I, I can, I can tell somebody exactly where to go when to hunt, you know, they can kill something, but, but me on the other hand, yeah, it's a little different story. <laughs> and you always, um, seem to make really good shots on the things that you kill, but they're always the smaller ones. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was telling somebody about that. We were, they were asking about the show this week, and I was telling them about the story. That you said your dad calls you a really good guy, yeah. a terrible killer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> World's best guy, the worst killer. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome. But I'm hoping um, that this year, I think, I, yeah, I think I'm going to do a little bit less scouting this year and working more with my bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got the scouting down. <laughs> I've got that down. Like, uh, like Dan will preach uh, on the hunting beast. You know, uh, that's only one part of it. But if you can't, if you can't, you know, connect with that deer, I mean, you, you know, you're just wasting your time pretty much. So. Oh yeah, I think I find myself a lot of times to be the opposite of that. I think I find myself a lot of times being, I mean, when the moment of, when it comes down to the moment of truth, I can capitalize on it most of the time and, and figure out a way to make it happen. Right. Um, but I can, I can get, I can get hair and get blood and then it all goes downhill from there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much you got to see them drop. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah, get your, yeah. To get, to get mine, your hopes up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can't tell you how many, I'm, I'm not the best tracker as far as blood tracking. Not, I'm, I'm probably the worst. Shameless uh, plug for Eamon McKinney though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Eamon, if you're listening, uh, last year I, I'd shot uh, a big one up there in Jackson County and, uh, I hit up the pages and, uh, they said that you were out of town. So I'm going to need you to not be out of town <laughs> October 30th this year, if that happens again. So yeah, yeah. Lost, <laughs> lost that deer at crossover Creek, but I don't, I really don't know how good of a shot it was. We only found a little bit of blood at the site. Uh, the dog took off, you know, as far as trailing, but uh, it all come to an end at about a six foot Creek crossing. Man, so that's rough. Is that the real big one that you, uh, that was one of the ones it's not, <laughs> yeah, there's been, there's been two this year. Uh, there were two last year. Yeah. It's not going so well. Uh, <laughs> I promise you guys, he's, he's a really good deer hunter. Um, I've got some video footage, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> that's crazy, man. So Michael, tell me a little bit about yourself, dude, where you, uh, you said you live in corner, Alabama. Yeah. Oh, I grew up in corner. Uh, I live in like the Gardendale Mount Olive area now. Uh, so, and then I, I work as a registered nurse down at St. Vincent's in uh, Birmingham. So um, how, how nurse, often do people, how often do people ask you if you watch meet the parents? Uh, not often. Really? No, 
Because no. I feel like every time I think about you being a nurse, I always think of Greg Fokker. Yeah. From no. Meet the Parents. Right. No. no. I don't usually get that. Uh, Actually, I think of Robert De Niro making fun of Greg being right. a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time. Hey, there's a lot of us. Uh, a lot of us working there uh, now. I think there are five. A lot of us. Like yeah. Got Males. The, like you there got were, equality. Hey, there were, <laughs> finally a thing for men to have equality in. Hey, there were five nurses there last night, or uh, there were three nurses and then uh, two techs, and all of us were guys. It was like you know. Did y'all have a which, pride party? No. <laughs> Male nurse pride. <laughs> no. No, but it it uh it it does make for you know an interesting time because uh, you don't have to worry about you know what you're talking about or what's being said. So yes, yeah. it's, it's always. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I talk the exact same way around a bunch of men as I do in mixed company. Yeah, so I'm just a gentleman, I guess. Yeah. So so you're a nurse. You got a family. I do. I have a beautiful wife. Uh, we've been married for about a year and a half now, and then I uh, have four kids: uh, Cannon, Soli. Charlie and Kenzie. So it's uh it's a my wife, she uh she does most of the most of the hard work around the house. I have to give her credit for that. She's uh she's good about letting me uh sneak out of the house usually uh once or twice a week. Uh and hunting season even more more times than that. So I'll usually go on extended hunts throughout the season. So That's awesome, man. My wife's yeah. the same way. She's yeah, it's really cool. Super, super graceful with with me during season. Today was the last day of turkey season, so yeah. Um, uh, she was happy. She was sad that I didn't shoot a turkey today. Right. I shot one on open today, which was cool. Uh, but she was she was sad for me, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I I told her uh, when we uh right before we got married, I said, hey, listen, I said, you know, I'm a hunter. You know, do you know that ahead of time? And she said, uh, she said, yeah, she goes, you know, I'm fine with that, you know? And I was like, she uh, thought, <laughs> yeah, she's like, so when's hunting season? And I was like, well, you know, around here it's October through February. So, okay, that's fine. What she did know is scouting season follows hunting season <laughs> yeah. and that lasts all year long. So, yep. Yeah. My wife, uh, she thinks that I tricked her into <laughs> marrying me by, because like, I mean, I've always been in, into deer hunting for my whole life, but there was about two years when I really cared about was trying to find a wife, you right, know what I mean? Right. And so I didn't hunt nearly as much. I didn't have access to a lot, a lot of land and I wasn't hunting public land then. And so I just kind of, uh, didn't hunt a whole lot. Right. And then, like the year we got married, it was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. He was serious. Yeah. It, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We won't even go there. Yeah. We don't have to go there. <laughs> But we definitely fooled our wives into marrying us. You yeah. married up too. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she. She's no, I was a, telling you. Yeah, she's a ten. Yeah, it wasn't like me like asking you to, <laughs> right? To confirm it. Confirm yeah. it. No, yeah. I was just basically yeah. telling you. Yeah. Uh, which is good, man. Yeah. I. Congratulations. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay. Enough about our wives. We can talk about our wives anytime, and they probably won't listen to this. Well, yours might. I don't know. Yeah, mine, mine wouldn't. Mine, no. mine yeah. doesn't listen. Mike could care less. She doesn't even like my picture. She's like, okay, Instagram. whatever, just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wife doesn't even like the Southern Ground Instagram page pictures. So, you know. Um, but I want to get into this. We had, I asked a few a question on Facebook today um, if anybody had any questions for you. And so there's a, a few questions on there. And then I sent you some, some really, uh, what you called really good questions that made me feel pretty good about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some really good questions. Um, and this is all about spring scouting. Now this is not about hunting. 
necessarily. Right. Uh, Because spring scouting is different than hunting season. Uh, Yeah. Especially, there are some similarities during that late winter scouting when the season's over. Uh, But even at that, you're talking about places that you would be hunting late season in February out here. Um, And so when bow season opens up though, a lot of those patterns are completely different. Yeah, they, they really are. Uh, once those leaves drop, I mean, it all, it all changes. Uh, I mean, there's, there's parts of, uh, you know, some of the public land that I hunt, once those leaves drop, the deer just seem to go, you know, you'll have morning movement. But after that, I mean, usually about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, those deer will not move until after dark. Um, doesn't matter how close you get to their beds. Now there's, you know, some good spots down South Alabama and they move during the morning and in the evening. But for the most part, uh, up here in North Alabama, uh, especially Bankhead, if you guys are familiar with that, uh, you're pretty much just about wasting your time hunting in the evenings because, you know, the, just the chances of seeing, uh, you know, some deer movement is just slim to none after those leaves drop. Yeah. And, And I mean, I have, I have seen deer. And I killed deer, not anything massive. You know, every bigger deer I've seen in Bankhead has been during the, um, during the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and a lot, even during the rut, man, when right. the leaves were starting to fall during the rut. Yeah. It was still morning movement, a yeah. little bit of evening movement, yeah. but mostly morning. Yeah. Early season, uh, you know, I have some pretty good luck getting on deer in the evening. Um, I've killed you know, a couple and I've even missed more than I've killed. So no, <laughs> in the not you. yeah. So, but, uh, after those leaves drop, it's a total different animal. It seems like so. Yeah, it is. Um, and so that's why I wanted to do this. And a lot of guys don't spring scout at all. And if I'm being yeah. honest with you, I haven't done it a whole lot in my life. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing that, you know, I grew up, you know, we would just go hunt on the weekends and whatnot, and there was never any scouting really involved. You know, you'd go plant fields and, you know, look around in the woods while you're, you know, having plant days or something like that. But all that changed about three years ago. Uh, I got out of a hunting club. It was too political and, you know, just decided that I could spend my money, you know, on hunting equipment, you know, and then go hunt public for free. So, that's what I started doing. Uh, I'd gotten on the beast. I just did a search. I was trying to find out more about deer. Uh, for those of you who don't know, when I refer to the beast, I'm talking about the huntingbeast.com. Uh, it's a forum, and there's some uh, really good hunters on there. Uh, and that's they go into all the details about you know all these different tactics as far as bedding and uh, movement, you know. And so that's really been probably the key to my success. Really yeah. starting about three years ago, so. Uh, I scout usually, I'd say one to two days per week all year long. So, you know, that, that's where most of the, you know, my knowledge has come from is just putting boots on the ground. So, yeah, man, and I'm, I'm a part of the hunting beast as well. And, um, I, I get a lot out of that. You know, um, one thing that I notice on there is that the majority of people that are on there are not from this area. No, they're not. And, um, and I have not seen a whole lot of content that's been produced about this area. There's been some for sure. Right. Um, I have never, and I'm a part of a lot of pages. I'm a part of a lot of stuff. I have never seen somebody that is as involved in trying to figure out that type of stuff on public land or any land for that matter. Right. Um, as you. And so that's part of the reason why I wanted to get you on the show. And, you know, I, I really feel like you, you understand this and you are working to understand yeah i've put a lot i've put a lot of effort 
over the past few years. I mean, when you're showing up at, you know, 4.30, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning at a gas station fully decked out in camo and it's 90, you know, 5 degrees during the summertime <laughs> uh, and they're wondering what in the world, you know, you're doing with, you know, all this camo on. I mean, I'll go walking through Walmart and everybody's looking at me like I'm about to shoot the place up. Like, <laughs> Not know. in Winston County, though, because no, this, Winston this is County, the hunting, yeah. hunting season lasts yeah. all I don't year even know if there's a, them. I don't even know if there's a Walmart in Winston County. <laughs> probably, you're probably right. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, so it's just been a lot of hard work over the past three years and um, really just putting, putting the time and effort, you know, into learning, you know, everything. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's paid off. I mean, you had more sightings than a lot of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just the fact that you say that you've, you know, missed that many good deer and, and you've killed some good deer too. You know, it's not like missed a lot of deer. It's not that it's not like you don't kill anything, you know, you do, right. You, you have successful seasons and and Alabama has, you know, you can tag out with three bucks, which a lot of States, you know, you may only get one buck, you Mm -hmm. know, per state. So to be able to tag out, I mean, I mean, you're a prime example this year. I mean, you tagged out too. What, what, when did you tag out by? I mean, it was December 13th. Yeah. So, and, and honestly for Bankhead, I mean, if you're not tagged out by the end and Bankhead, you might as well hang it up. Uh, and you're better off in, in other places because the, the deer sightings, uh, basically after the first or, you know, second week, uh, especially in the Northern sections of Bankhead, I mean, they drastically drop, you know, you can have Mm -hmm. some success, into about middle of December, uh, the end of December in the southern parts of the National Forest. But, yeah. To, and to what you're doing most of the time, and in, in the times that I've been scouting with you, so it's kind of a, it's a good frustration that I have when you invite me to go because we don't scout kayak access places. Right. Like, I'm literally going a lot of times not to even find a place where I'm going to hunt, but just to learn about the woods Right. most of the time whenever me and you go. Uh, I want to take you out there, but you sold your freaking kayak. Yeah, yeah. So um, I want to take you out there so you can kind of help me navigate some of the stuff that I don't, may, maybe I'm missing and, right. and things like that. But um, you guys have had a lot of people message me wanting to get into kayak hunting, and that's awesome. But some people don't want to. And um, this is, you know, Michael is just prime example that you don't have to go and do these kind of things. There are deer in the woods that people right. tromp all over. Right. There, there's deer there. There's good deer there. Yeah. And a lot of times it's the overlooked areas that are where the deer. Hey, a lot of like times they're, they're right off the road and they know the access trail in. And if they have a vantage point, like if they're up on a ridge and they can see you walking in on that trail, I mean, that's where they're going to be. I mean, and you wouldn't guess, you know, right there at the road, you know, 50 yards, a hundred yards off the road where you're parking at, you know, that they're sitting there watching you, but you, you know, you, you expect to go way back deep into the woods and, you know, that's going to be the best spots. But in some cases that's just not, not, you know, what I'm seeing. And so that kind of, that's kind of a good segue into the first question, um, about spring scouting. Um, you talking, we're talking about spots and, and different places where you kind of pinpoint. And I know you mark places on your maps just as much as I do. Um, but, when you're looking at your map, um, I use the Onyx map system. When I'm looking at my Onyx map, so like, what are some areas that you look for uh, specifically to pinpoint? Like, hey, I'm going to go look at this place. So the first thing I start off with is a topographical map, um, and I look for what is considered a military crest. 
And basically that military crest is, uh, you know, if you're looking at, you know, the topography lines, you're going to have, you know, some spaced out lines and then they're all of a sudden going to get really, really close together. And what that is, is just a steep, uh, basically a steeper drop. And at that steeper drop is normally where you find like a main trail. And then what I'm seeing now is they're, they're not always bedded right on that military crest, but you know, just right off of it and on top or bottom or both on top, mostly. Yeah. Uh, sometimes if there's like a, you know, a steep drop and then it goes out into a bench, you know, you might find, you know, bedding on the bench too, as long as there's cover, but more times than not, they're actually up above where that military crest is. And what I'm seeing right now is, uh, usually there's, you know, you've got a main trail that comes around the ridge and it'll also go down the spine of the ridge. And what did it, if you were looking at a uh, topo map, you know, on a ridge, um, basically that middle, the, the spine of the ridge, that trail will meet up, you know, about a quarter of the way down uh, with those side trails that are going along that, you know, the side of the ridge. And basically there's a little angle in there where they meet up at. And those deer position themselves right there in that spot nine times out of ten. What they can essentially do is they can catch the wind, you know, basically all these deer are bedding, you know, with the wind to their back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if something's come along the spine of that ridge, then, you know, they have the wind to the back, you know, they're catching the scent, anything traveling up behind them. Uh, they normally like to bed with back cover, so nothing's going to be able to see them, you know, if they're coming along the spine of that ridge. But then if there's anything down on that main trail you know, then they're going to be able to see that. And as far as thermals, you know, you know, thermals right. rising, they'll be able to smell. So, yeah, and they've, they've got every advantage right right there. Right. Wind at their back, watching the front. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's just at any time I jumped a deer Saturday and it was a prime example. Yeah. Like he was on the steepest stuff and he had already shed, but this is the biggest body deer I've ever seen in Alabama. Right. And, and he had already, you know, shed his horns and stuff, but you could just tell, dude, he was a giant and he was on the steepest stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, now the area that I was at, this is another case in point to what you were talking about. Now, this is a landlocked piece that I had to kayak to, right. um, probably the most difficult place I've been to yet. Um, but there's a road, there's a driveway, a private driveway mm -hmm. that runs right there. Right. And that joker just bedded up. Yeah. You know, and he's probably done that his whole life. Yeah. And right if, there. If there's not hunting pressure near private land, if, if it's not getting a whole bunch of pressure as far as somebody coming in and hunting it, they'll bed really close to houses. They, they, you know, they know what's going on. They feel, you know, familiar with those surroundings. You know, if you've got a barking, yapping dog, you know, they may not, you know, bed as close. But if there's hunting pressure along that public, Nine times out of ten, I'm finding, you know, a lot of those bedding locations about a half a mile out from that. So Yeah, which is not bad. No, it's that's not. That's not, no. not a long way. No, they can make that trip so quick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And and to your to your point, I've, I've also found the same thing to be true about places with houses around. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, especially where we're from, um, it's such steep terrain that a lot of times if the house is out there, it's built on the highest sure. point. Sure. And and I think that can be used. So a lot of times when I'm looking at my at my Onyx maps, I'm looking at um, 
okay, is there a house somewhere close? If there is, and there's public right there, I need to probably be pretty close to it. Yeah. And another thing that it does for me is it gives me an opportunity to um, hunt a place that is used to human smells. Yeah. Right. And because if they catch my wind in a place out where they've never smelled human scent before, it's going to scare them to death. Yeah. But uh, like I found hunting close to a camp today, or uh, not today, this year, I found hunting close to a camp that, I mean, human smells didn't really yeah, bother and, them. And that's the thing. I mean, they know where that boundary is. You know, say there's a creek coming around that, you know, campground. You know, they know, you know, people may walk all the way up to that creek, but, you know, they don't usually cross that creek, so they would stay on the other side of that creek and and do all their travel over there. But the minute you step over across that creek, they know, hey, you know, this is not normal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and and so I guess that that kind of leads to the conclusion of that question so, would be like when you're looking for a place on your map, um, one could draw a conclusion that you're not necessarily looking for the most difficult to get to, um, you know, most remote places in right, the world. Right. But topography, you know, that's one of the keys, topography and cover. So I have normally found that the more round uh, one of these secondary points are, and the secondary point, you have the main ridge, which is your primary, you know, point. And then you have secondary points or little spurs, knobs, whatever you may call it, that come off that main ridge. That's where I found, you know, a lot of the bedding. You know, a lot of times they won't. So that that would basically be like a, a point that comes out and basically looks down at the other ridge. Exactly. So there's a bottom, exactly. goes straight down, looks over at the right. other ridge. Right. And, you know, if you're not finding them in that little angle that we were talking about earlier, that's where they're going to be. Some of these uh, ridges, if they're long enough, it's like a main highway for a lot of different game animals, uh, you know. So you may have coyotes, you may have rabbits, and you know, all deer, whatever is, is using that main trail. They don't want to be on that main trail. They'll usually bet about, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards off of that trail because they, they don't want to be on that main trail. You know, you, you know, you wouldn't, you know, necessarily build a house right on a highway. You know, it's right. the same kind of thing. You know, you'd build it off the highway, you know, the same thing with the, with the deer, you know, really? they don't good analogy yeah yeah appreciate that, that. was awesome yeah. we so, could end the podcast right there yeah. and everybody would have gotten something yeah all right we'll see you park <laughs> all right see you <laughs> and but it makes sense so um exactly what you said people like the idea of a house that's you know a little bit off the road right because i mean and if you if you think just simplify your thinking a little bit right somebody could draw that conclusion real quick oh yeah like nobody wants to be right off the highway because well one so many people are driving by. If you're not home, somebody's going to know exactly. that you're not home. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just simple. We 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 kind of really put a whole lot of extra thought into some of this stuff, but some of it can be so simplified, really. You know, yeah. if you start breaking it down. So, do you find this to be different during the spring? So, um, like, as far as where a deer's bedding, obviously, wind direction changes. Cover where bed. cover is totally different. Um, you know, like right now you know you're starting to get green up here in alabama uh and you know you can you can kind of see where it's probably fixing or about to start shifting a little bit um usually coming into like let's start out with summer for instance during the summer they like to bed along the creeks lower a little bit lower elevation in the shade 
you know, some cooler areas. Um, Which that, and, and so this makes me really know why I wanted to do this episode. So average guy is hunting, you know, the beginning of deer season in October. Right. They see a deer walking in the bottom of a creek. Right. Or crossing a creek or whatever. Right. They see a deer there and and they hunt that spot until the end of February. Right. And wonder why they didn't see any deer. Exactly. Exactly. Like it it there's such a difference in hot and cool right. months, you know. And hot and cool also means green and and yeah, uh, clear, you know. Too. Yeah, and and shade, uh, like in in Bankhead, you'll see uh, bedding at two different locations. Um, up top, you know, you have, you know, you could get more airflow, but it's also going to be warmer, especially during the summer. I usually find them uh, at the base of bluffs. You know, we were talking earlier. Sometimes that'd be the, probably one of the only exceptions um, to like a military crest. Mm-hmm. You know, during the summer when it's really hot. I've run up on a whole herd of deer, you know, bedded along the base of a bluff. I mean, you think about it, how cool it is, you know, at the bottom of it. Well, so. I mean, again, think how what you do. Right now, during turkey season, you know where I'm at midday? I'm sitting in a creek bottom. Right. I'm sitting somewhere where it's a little bit cooler because I don't want to be on top of a ridge right. with the sun shining right down yeah. on my face. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Yeah. I ain't got time yeah. for that. Yeah. Nobody got time for that. Uh, and that kind of brings up, here on the beast, uh, we were talking with uh, Josh Franks and uh, Joe Elzinger, and talking about temperatures and basically shade and and how you know they bed in relation to that. And I just went to Lowe's and picked up a, uh, a basically a digital, uh, I guess thermometer, uh, you know, like for checking like AC, uh, check to see how cool the air is blowing out of it. Um, and you'd be surprised at how quick. But just in a one hour time span, uh, the, the ground went from like 30 degrees, uh, all the way up to like 110 degrees. Uh, yeah, just checking it. So when I first got there in the morning, I checked uh, on pine straw, you know, because <laughs> can, you know, can you imagine the same people who saw you in the middle of Walmart and yeah, camos yeah. and then and now they're, now now they're, they're seeing me at Lowe's picking up a, a thermometer, uh, a thermometer. Like, yeah. I just want to. I want somebody to run up on you on the woods one day, like with a thermometer stuck yeah. in the ground. Like, no, I've already thought about it. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, and I was sitting there. It's like a. It's like a little uh, laser. It's like a little laser <laughs> gun. You're just. I'm out there like shooting the ground. So, it's. Uh, it's. It. But in all honesty, like, and it doesn't have to be. You don't have to be that. You know over the top about it you know i mean you would guess basically what michael's would, saying is you will not kill a deer on public land unless you go and buy a thermometer yeah, yeah. and start measuring the ground yeah, or, i'm gonna start selling those <laughs> hunting thermometer yeah it's like trophy tape <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna uh start <laughs> we're gonna start uh putting them on everybody's bows and uh guns and <laughs> You'll you'll know where to hunt. You just shoot the ground and 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 see what the temperature reading is, and you'll know whether you're in. You'll know where to go. Yeah, dude, you could sell that. Yeah, you just put a little deer a horn like logo on it. Yeah, and be like this is a thermometer for hunting. Yeah, not like, for taking your temperature. Yeah, it's like the little guy with the uh, dollar bill. He's like, you know, almost got it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you're getting hotter. Yeah. You're getting hotter, dude. That's. that's so. Man, this spot looks great. There's rubs yeah. and scrapes, and hey, there's a deer standing right there. Mm. Yeah, it says 30 degrees. I'm not <laughs> Check hunting that here. Ground temp, though. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> what but, were we talking about? 
Yeah. So when Somebody I first to write this down. Yeah, because, so when I first got there that morning, uh, the temperature outside was 29 to 30 degrees, and that was at 6 a.m. Um, I went and checked pine straw uh, just to check because that's you know one of the things that I go to sit down on when it's cold. I mean, you think you know cold ground and you got the pine straw. I went and shot uh, a temperature reading on that pine straw, and it read uh, 17 degrees. It was 15 degrees colder than the air temperature. And the only thing I can figure out is if you think about it like a bridge overpass, like in the wintertime, mm-hmm. you know, it gets that humidity or, or water, and you get that air flowing across it, and it cools down and ices over. Yeah. That's the only thing that I can figure out, you know, why it was so much colder. The ground temp, I, I raked away the pine straw, and it was 30 degrees. So it it's crazy, you know, just the, the temperature differences. It's like it absorbs went, that cool. Right, right. Uh, the hour between, I think it was 8 o'clock in the morning and 9 o'clock, um, I, uh, I checked a spot. Uh, it was like 30 degrees. An hour later, it was like 65 degrees as far as the temperature just within that one hour. You know, it only been catching sun for just a little bit. And it's just, you know, so basically cover during the summertime, uh, that's going to be a key. You know, as much shade as you got, uh, cooler temps along the water, you know, the air just seems to be a lot cooler because of that water. And then, you know, the base of your bluffs, uh, they're a lot cooler because of the cold rock, you know, that, that those temperatures, you know, that's where they tend to hang out along those transitions. Um, then in the wintertime, of course, you know, they're going to be up on top, you know, catching all that sun. So, you know, they're not going to go to a shaded spot, you know, when it's, you know, 25 or 30 degrees outside. So, uh, those are things I key in on, you know, during the first part of the season, cover, you know, cool, cool spots, uh, and, you know, especially those creek crossings. I mean, those creek crossings are killer spots, mm-hmm. you know, during the first of the season. Now, late season, you better be up on the ridge tops um, because, you know, that's that's the best location. And a lot of people will tell you not to hunt in the bottom because of the swirling winds. I mean, I've had tons of success, you know, yeah. especially, you know, in those bottoms. And thermals has a lot to do with it. If you know where they're crossing a creek, uh, you know the thermals are dropping in the evening you can position yourself at a lower elevation than their creek crossing and all of that, you know, air is going to flow down with that creek. You know, your scent's going to be going the other direction than their trail. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are good spots to ambush a deer. Yeah. And, but when you're, when you're, uh, actually scouting just kind of in relation to all this stuff, when you're mm-hmm. scouting in the spring, what do you, what are you looking for as far as, are you looking for, cause you're not looking for a place to hunt necessarily. No, are I'm you looking, looking for bedding. Just uh, for bedding. Yeah. Just for bedding. Um, now basically this year I'm starting to add on little by little each year. Like the bedding is getting easier to find. Like I don't, it's just like second nature. Now I walk through the woods and I know where the beds are going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to branch out a little bit. You know, I've already already paid attention to sign when I was younger. So I know where all the rubs are going to be. You know, they're going to be in your little funnels. They're going to be, you know, at your Creek crossings. Uh, you know, you're going to have rub lines coming down, you know, a ridge, you know, the spine of a ridge, you know, early season because those deer, you know, you know, can be bedded up there. Um, you know, your scrapes are going to be along your, you know, your doe trails or, or funneled areas, Creek crossings there close to them, old logging roads, benches. Uh, so, now started to branch out with food sources, you know, not just oaks, you know. Oaks are only going to last. Hey, hey, if you hunt Bankhead, you know that there's a white oak about every 10 feet and there are a thousand acorns. So, 
I mean, the chances of you picking the right oak tree are <laughs> slim to none. You know so, what's funny, though, is I still, every time I see an oak tree, I'm like, oh, there's going to be <laughs> Mark a deer the spot. Mark yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you're hunting a big area like with pine thickets or something like that, yeah, you, you might can focus on the edge where, you know, there might be a stand of oaks, but for the most part, I don't even look at oaks, you know, anymore in 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 Bankhead specifically. Now, there's other sections, you know, of the state that are totally different. So yeah, I mean, that doesn't apply. Just a little ways away to Wheeler. And um, there, I mean, there. don't get me wrong, there are oaks in there. There's some areas that have a ton. Uh, the area that I hunt at Wheeler does not have a lot of oak trees, but you find a big white oak and like there's it's money. There, yeah, yeah, there's going to be deer there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so this year I've started branching out. Um, I'm starting to look at different, you know, food sources and you can get online. Uh, each state, you know, has, you know, different preferred food sources. You know, there's different information online. Um, you can go just do a Google search, you know, about, you know, different browse and stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of vines, a lot of honeysuckle and things like that, that I'm starting to pay attention to. They're just now coming out and blooming. So I marked up spots the other day and that, you know, scouting trip, it was, you know, I found 18 beds in three hours. Uh, and there was a lot of, you know, honeysuckle there, a lot of different kind of cover. Um, so, you know, that was a, a good little spot. So you think that, you think that contributes I think, to like the preferred bedding? I, I do. Yeah. 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 Cause a lot of times, uh, in the, in the heat, like I know during bow season, a lot of times they're not going to travel a real long ways. Right. Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, it's hot, you know. They, I mean, they get hot just like we do, you know, if yeah. not worse. Um, in, you know, in places where you have a lot of oaks, um, it seems that, you know, the oaks up on top of the ridges, they seem to drop first. So, you know, that might be a place where you can key in on, you know, early season. If mm-hmm. you know where bedding is maybe, and then on another ridge, you know, that there's food source, you know, as far as oaks. Um, I like to set up on those, you know, mm-hmm. crossing points cause they'll drop down, catch those thermals, you know, and they can check and see if there's anything, you know, basically up the hill or up the draw from where they're crossing at and, um, and go to those oaks. So that's what I'll do. And then, you know, you may have some sweeter oaks along the water once those start dropping. So, so you put yourself in, in this situation. Okay. Um, cause now that I've learned a lot of this stuff, I'm starting to find deer sign in a lot of places. Right. Even in places where, I mean, I've never seen deer. Right. You know, I've hunted them hard and never seen deer. Right. I'm starting to find even more deer sign in there now that I know some of this stuff. Um, for you, like, because, and, and I'm going to ask this question because I, I think I know your answer. Do you put a whole lot of stock into sign? Yes, straight up. Uh, And, you know, it's kind of a big contradiction for a lot of people, you know, especially if you're a bed hunter, you know. But you see sign opening up. Uh, One of the main things that I wanted to bring out in this podcast was we were talking about spring scouting. But scouting all season long is so important because if you go in early season and you find fresh rubs, say the month of October, you know that those rubs were made recent because they were, you know, basically trying to get the velvet off of their antlers. So those are spots to key in on early season. You know, 
that's where that buck, you know, his area is in early season. And if you build up, you know, over several years of scouting and hunting, you know, you, you know where to go to for that early season to hunt, you know, as far as where the bucks are. So, you know, that changes once those leaves drop, those deer may move, you know, a good little ways away because there's no cover. But at the early season, if you mark those, you know, clusters of rubs and things like that, where they're, you know, the first rubs you see, I always mark them as ES, which is early season, you know, when I mark them or pin them up on my maps. So mm-hmm. that's how I know which ones are early season rubs. And then you go back and you can document, you know, which ones are late season and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, that's a lot of times people think, Hey, rubs, rut. Right. It's, not it's, necessarily. It's no. the rut. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why right. ain't I seeing any deer chasing? Right. right. But it's right. the rut. I, missed, yep. I must have missed it. Yeah. You know? And and that's, and it's it was ingrained in a lot of people. I mean, you know, you've got the Midwest hunters. Um, so many things up there do not apply down here. You know, a lot of that happens almost at the same exact time. You know, you have these deer shedding. And then you have the rut, like right there here in Alabama, shedding velvet. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What? <laughs> here, here in Alabama, you may have them shedding velvet in September, October. You may not have a rut until February. Yeah. I mean, and even later than that, you know, the further south you go. So, yeah. you know, I saw a deer chasing a doe, dogging a doe, hard on the last day of the season, yeah. on February tenth. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, uh, you know, as far as well, we're getting, I'll I, I probably get off the subject as far as tactics and stuff like that, it's like okay. as far as like rattling, grunting, sense, things like that. I don't, you know, I started out doing all of that stuff that you'd see everybody doing on TV. That just, it doesn't work down here. It just, I don't believe it does at least. Uh, I'll grunt. Uh, there's specific times when I'll grunt. Um, usually our rut. It seems to be between the 15th and the 30th, and that's almost, you could hunt almost those two weeks through the whole season, every month, those last two weeks, and catch deer uh, during the rut at some point in time. So you think, and we're, we're chasing a rabbit trail, but it's okay. Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't necessarily want to spend our whole time talking about hunting season. Yeah. But I've heard you say this before, because we were talking about going on an out-of-state trip, uh-huh. and you're like... Well, as long as it's, you know, not between the 15th and the 30th, because I'm going to be at Bankhead. Right. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? Yeah. You got so, so I've play been, dates with the deer sure, in your calendar. Sure, sure, So, you know, I've been running trail cams for a couple of years now. Now, there's going to be some anomalies. You know, you're going to have some deer, you know, that, you know, a doe come in estrus somewhere, you know, and kick off, you know, some kind of rut action uh, somewhere close by, but... What I'm finding is last two weeks of every month. So I could essentially go to Bankhead um, the last two weeks of October even and see some kind of pre-rut action, making scrapes, rubs, and they're consistent. And it's only morning action for the most part. There'll be some late night action. I've rarely ever seen any kind of evening uh, action as far as, you know, bucks going to scrapes, things like that. Usually it's between 9 and 11 o'clock in the morning. And it's on those scrapes. And that was one of the theories that, you know, I, I threw out there, you know, as far as something I've noticed with my trail cams. Um, and it all relates to if you know, you know, when specific bedding 
it, it's kind of the same principle, except it relates to uh, all of these uh, scrapes. And so on camera for those last two weeks at different locations over the past couple of years, I've had under the same wind conditions, uh, you know, depending on which side of the ridge it's on, if it's on the leeward side, those deer are coming by between 9 and 11 o'clock in the morning, only during those two weeks. So, and and that's going to be my tactic for next year. I've got a killer buck uh, on camera this year. And, I mean, he's a stud, especially for public. So, I'm going to try to capitalize. I know when to hunt him, uh, where to hunt him. So, it's going to you be... You always know that, though. It's going to be all about that shot. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to the shot. But uh, it's going to be the last two weeks of October and November. It's going to be under a southwest wind. And it's going to be between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning. And that's when I'm going to kill him. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there, kind of like Babe Ruth calling his home run. <laughs> You're going to do that. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. So, so I and this, there's people that listen to this all over the country. And so, um, but mostly Southern guys. Um, basically, what I would say to somebody is figure out those times. It may not be the... Yeah, it may not be the 15th through the 30th right. in your state or your area. And it's not. All, all of your northern states, you know, they have a completely different rut time than than what I'm seeing down here. And that's talking to, to Joe on the uh, forum. I messaged him back and forth, and he said he's seeing something similar to it. It's just obviously not the you know the same, the same timing. And and I'd put a post on there, and, and pretty much there was a lot of uh, agreements, you know, as you know, a lot of people seeing the same exact thing in their states. So basically half a month apart is when you're most right. Yeah. It's like the deer don't move at all, you know, for those two weeks. And then it's like, you know, very consistent during those two weeks. Yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, you, you got, uh, how what's his, uh, Mark jury Mm -hmm. who swears by, I think he swears by like the November the 7th. Yeah. There's a day, and this dude's a, what do they call him, a mad scientist? Yeah, yeah. He's insane. He's got so much knowledge. Um, but his thing is, in essence, the same thing that you're saying. I mean, what's it, dream season 13? They're basically saying there's like 13 different. Right, yeah. Uh, like, I think it's 13. Is that right? Yeah, it's There's 13. like 13 different phases of. Phases, yeah. Of the season yeah. or of the rut or whatever. Right. Um, and that's what, kind of what you're saying in simpler terms is, Half a month of no movement, half a month of movement. Right. So remember that, guys. We'll get back on the spring scouting. Yeah. Remember yeah. that, though. Figure that out. Ask some questions to people who um, who understand, who have, you know, like Michael. He's got just a ton of woodsmanship, and he can kind of figure these things out. And uh, I'm going to ride his coattail because I'm also going to call my shot and say I'm going to kill the biggest deer of my life this year. So yeah. there's that. Um, I don't even remember. Where were we talking about spring scouting? Where were we at? Yeah. Uh, I really don't know. <laughs> You just kind of started talking yeah, about I tactics, man. That, uh, and I just, trail. Yeah. Um, but, but that is an, an important thing that we just kind of hit on was there are th- things that are different um, about the South than other places. And sure. so you've uh, you've spent some time in um, like Kentucky, which is, I guess, still considered South. Yeah, I went to Kentucky last year. And just so y'all know, uh, in four and a half days in Kentucky, I saw more deer than probably five years of hunting in Alabama. Like it's ridiculous the difference in just that am- amount of, uh, you know, space. I guess. Yeah, but you went early season. I remember seeing those videos. Yeah. It was yeah. green, and I lucked out. It was early season. Uh, it's like the first or second week of September, and 
everything I'd been reading, you know, on different Kentucky forums as far as, you know, what it's like up there was it's going to be 95 degrees and there's going to be skeeters everywhere and snakes. And I got up there and there was a cold front that pushed through and like <laughs> the high was something like, I don't even know. It was ridiculous. It was like, it never got above 70 degrees and it was like the lows in the thirties. And I was like, kid Greek, this is awesome. This is September, like That's the awesome. first or second week of September. So dude, today was the last day of Turkey season, right? Yeah. It was 38 degrees when I left yeah. the house this morning. Yeah. That's ridiculous, dude. It is 38 degrees. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. But today at the end of the day, I think it was like right around 80 it was wasn't 80 it? when yeah. i got here yeah yeah that's yeah dumb um so but you've you spent a lot of time and not a lot of time maybe but you have been to some other states mm-hmm. and as far as spring scouting is concerned um a lot there's a lot of content out there about midwest and mm-hmm. uh, in, and summer scouting too um the midwest and the north have a lot of a lot of people looking into this stuff not a lot of people down here what do you, you you know you're on the the hunting beast and you're really active on it right um what are some things that people up there are saying um because what people up there are saying is really most of the content probably most of our listeners sure, are sure hearing from dan and fault right what makes what they're saying different than what actually happens down here uh as far as betting i mean everything as far as hill country betting everything seems to be lines up you know exactly the same down here um it's 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 very difficult to to bed hunt, you know, a deer in hill country um, versus like marshes. I would assume, which I've never hunted marshes, but you know, from hearing what people say, it seems to be a little bit easier, you know, as mm-hmm. far as marshes goes. Um, just because you, you know, especially once the leaves drop, I mean, you, you can't get within a you know, hundred yards, you know, or it's very difficult to get within a hundred yards of a bed, you know, right. when you don't have any leaves or cover on the ground. Uh, so that's, that's the, you know, I'd say it lines up perfectly, you know, what they're say, you know, seeing and saying as far as hill country. Um, so is, is there, are there any differences? Like, so the one thing, one thing that I'm sure of, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear a lot of people talk about betting and all that stuff. One thing that I'm sure of though, is that the deer density down here is lower. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, just talking about that Kentucky hunt in four and a half days, I saw, you know, like 70, 80 deer. Like yeah. it was ridiculous. And that will affect all your scouting. Oh, yeah. like if you're looking you're, at, if you're looking at, you know, the hunting beast or any archery talk or anything like that, looking for places like, what should right. I be looking for? Where should I be hunting? People are going to tell you things that are not necessarily yeah. true here. So, so if you see a bed here, uh, it's not going to be more than likely you know, nine times out of 10, it's not going to be worn down to the dirt. It's just not, unless you're in more rugged terrain, you know, if it's a lot of real steep cliffs and bluffs and things like that, where, you know, travel and bedding is, you know, limited, uh, you're going to see them more, you know, wore down more so than just everywhere else here Mm -hmm. because, you know, the deer density just isn't here. I mean, you might cover, you know, a mile, you know, walking through and not come across the first bed and then all of a sudden you know you've got a little pocket full of deer um it seems like you know when i went up to kentucky you know there were a lot more you know a lot more deer for sure yeah yeah and that i mean and that affects a lot in the scouting and and i've i've struggled because and i've put some things into practice 
um, for the from stories I hear, you know, on Nine Finger Chronicles. I hear public land stories from those guys, and I'm like, oh yeah, we could try that, but you can't. Yeah. Like, it's right. not gonna work. Out and here. and and there, and like I said earlier, there's a huge difference between North Alabama and South Alabama. South Alabama has you know more of your agriculture. You know, there's a lot of big fields. You know, soybeans, corn. Uh, you just don't get that uh, up in North Alabama as much unless you're like, you know, near Decatur, um, you know, Huntsville, something like that. Uh, the area where I spend most of my time up there in Bankhead, it's a lot more rugged terrain and you just do not find the deer density there like you would in other parts of Alabama. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, this year, even in my scouting, I found decent sign, you know, but um I saw plenty of deer. Sure. But it just wasn't like what everything I've heard told yeah. me it was going to be like. And and that's one thing that I've come across. You know, I can locate beds. I've, I've probably marked, I'd say it's got to be, you know, 300 or more beds in Bankhead alone. And, you know, the amount of sightings you see of deer, you know, I can usually see, a, you know, a few deer on each trip, but that's it. it's not like you're seeing like tons of deer you right. know, that are moving yeah. through the woods like everywhere it's like i saw a doe today yeah tight yeah, right <laughs> exactly exactly you i mean um, and honestly out here on a lot of public land you tell somebody oh yeah i saw a doe cool yeah like i remember living in texas me and my dad you know we'd meet up after we hunted and well what'd you see ah, i saw just six does right oh man well that stinks yeah and out here, it's like, uh-huh. I saw six does. I hadn't seen six does all my life, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so you can find these little pockets and use this sign well that you're finding, especially, you know, during the spring and, and into the summer. You can use all of this stuff, but um, but it's just not going to be as, like, prominent as it, it would be exactly. somewhere else. Exactly, and, it, and it's, you know, just because you find a bed doesn't mean, you know, that deer is going to be in that bed. Even under those given conditions, I mean, it's not a guarantee for sure that you know the deer just not there so you know you might find different bedding locations but you know i find it easier for me since i've been on the beast um you know i initially started out uh i have to give uh a lot of credit to a friend of mine um nathan nathan Prots. yeah uh, and you'll actually get is, to hear from nathan when we get closer to season i'm we're going to do an, an episode that is a little more in-depth on as far as hunting betting right that's going to be a cool episode yeah i'm looking forward to that i'm waiting on that one because that dude knows how to find some yeah so so nathan was the one that kind of introduced me to it because uh you know i'd gotten on the hunting beast and i I really didn't you know i was still focused more on the sign you Mm -hmm. know instead of the bed and i hadn't fully grasped the betting you know he had tried to set up a workshop uh for dan to come down and so dan gave him some locations hey go check this this is what to look for that kind of thing and so Nathan, you know, was, you know, a step ahead of me. I didn't know anything about the betting for real. And so, uh, he kind of, you know, showed me the ropes initially and, uh, he's a, he's a bed hunting fool for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, he can, he can find those beds. Um, yeah. I think one place when we, when we went out with Nathan and you yeah, and I think me, it was our first trip. Yeah. It was our first trip. And, uh, there was like this spot and me and you had like yeah. looking at, I think we were looking at like a, a big hole that yeah, was in the we, ground. We, we got, yeah, we got <laughs> sidetracked with a big cave. <laughs> and Nathan was like, hey, I found a bed. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, good for you, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, Nathan didn't have a camera. He wasn't trying to film some stuff either, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> we were trying to get footage. Well, I'll blame it on that. Yep. <laughs> but no. And he's the only one of us that's a full-time camera person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's kind of ironic. A full-time yeah. photographer. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, dude. I want to get into some of these questions yeah. that, that uh, people wrote on Facebook. So Nathan Unger, who um, he writes articles uh, for some magazines and stuff i can't you could ask me at any other time i would have remembered it but um nathan lives in georgia i do know mm-hmm. that um he asked what are some tips and tricks for hunting and locating deer in only planted pines all right so this is this is my thing pines are uh yep. so it depends on there's all different kind of pines Pine, all pines are not created equal so if you've got you know a fresh cut over with you know you know three to five year old pines you know you'll see them traveling through there but more than likely they're not going to be bedded there just yet um then you move into a little bit older pines say like you know about 10 15 foot tall you know they're thicker uh they add you know have more cover uh a lot of times they'll be bedded on the transitions unless there's like a some kind of hardwood opening you know and a special you know topographical feature you know where it allows them to be you know some kind of elevated position they're always going to be well I say always there's no absolutes to deer hunting but nine times <laughs> yeah most of the time as soon as you say they're always yeah, going to be yeah they'll move not from if those the temperature's edges. not yeah, right yeah you better take your thermo- <laughs> yeah, thermometer yeah so uh transitions edges you know that's where you need to key in on because they're going to use that as back cover looking more into hardwoods or, or, you know, more of an open area. They may not bed right on the edge, but they're going to bed within about 10 or 15 yards, 20 yards, just inside of it uh, is what I'm finding with younger pines. Now, once you start getting up into taller pines, you know, say 20, 30 foot, you know, tall, uh, if they've gone in select cut, you know, the only time that they'll bed in like some kind of select cut is if there's a lot of regrowth, you know, which tends to happen in some of those select cuts, unless they go in and do like a controlled burn or they burn off everything. Um, you know, you like won't all of Bankhead. I'm yeah, ba- exactly. Bankhead probably shows I, up on the I know. map as like a I, big I black hate ashtray. All, yeah. I hate all that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but anyways, if it's select cut, if there's enough growth, like as far as briars, brush, you know, that type of thing, you know, that's, you know, four or five foot tall, they'll, they'll bed in that. But yeah. they're going to use the topography. Um, now, if it's that in the same manner, right? Like the same way as they would. The same same way as if it was a hardwoods, hardwoods, and yeah. yeah, they're going to you know find some kind of topographical feature, you know, like those little spurs, the little round knobs, uh, and they're going to bet on those and and you know look off of those. Um, if it's uh, if it's pines and they haven't been select cut, it's still you know, going to be a, one of those edge things, you know, as long as there's, you know, enough cover. Um, they, they really like the edges. They're not going to, you know, if you have like a 200 acre, you know, planted pine section, they're not going to be like smack dab in the middle of it because that's the safest spot. They're going to use some kind of topographical feature and they're going to use, you know, the edge. So, and the edges, they can still see out in the hardwoods. 20 right. yards in right they can sure. if there's a bunch of open hardwoods or a creek bottom or whatever you know 20 yards in you're not going to see them right it, it's the same principle we use with with ambush you know finding yeah. a spot to sit mm. if i'm hunting a greenfield i'm not going to put my i'm not going to put my 
stand right on the edge of the woods where you can see it clear. I'm going to go a few yards in right. so that I'm if the shadows can hide me. Right. It also keeps me cool. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this, uh, pines, that is my favorite spot to set up uh, during, you know, the rut. You know, you can get in there uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, not get in there at 10 o'clock in the morning, but the amount of movement you see in mm-hmm. pines late morning after it warms up, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I want to throw one key thing, you know, as far as being out there hunting these times. Listen to the birds. Dude, those things will, you know, key you into a deer. You know, as soon as they start cutting up, you need to be looking. Because that usually that time period between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning, it's like a lull around here at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have buck movement at first light, and then usually about 10 o'clock in the morning, 10 to 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the further south you go, it seems to be like more like around 930, which I think all all of my bucks that I killed this year, which I killed three total, they were all killed between 930 and 11 o'clock hmm. in the morning. So, And most people are out of the stand. They're eating most of the time, jacks, most of the biscuits. time are out of the stand. If, uh, if you're, if you're hunting, you know, especially the rut, those late morning cruising time periods, I mean, that's the key. Okay. You, you may see some movement right at daylight. You know, I've seen, you know, bucks, I've seen three bucks come off of different ridges, uh, grunting about seven thirty in the morning once you know it gets light outside, but that late morning cruising action, those big bucks, they're not going to be just you know running willy nilly all over the you know <laughs> all over the you know the forest. So they're going to wait and specifically you know everything's methodical with them. Right. You know they're going to go straight yeah. from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, and and I I mean I think about like that was most of the time when me and my dad would hunt when I was younger. What time you want to meet up? How oh, about nine thirty? Right. You know, it's like that's the jacks, it's like gravy. that's the time. Nine thirty yeah. is the uh-huh. time. It's like when you're hungry. So right. I guess the deer hungry did yeah. then too. Um, this guy uh, asked. He said, "Hunting pressured public land. I pack in and out every trip. I'm not opposed to traveling long distances to get to a spot. I find access. I find access to to the hard to reach area is difficult without traveling through everything. So." Um, basically he goes on to say like, Hey, how do I find access to these spots? And in my opinion, the springtime is the best time to find that because if you can, if you can find uh, this is, this might be completely stupid and wrong, but this is just what I think. If you can find the places that you can access it quietly, the easier access during the spring when everything's nasty and stuff, then you can find a spot in the in the winter in so, the fall so here's my thoughts on that and i might disagree just a little bit but if postseason scouting uh when all the leaves are off that's going to be your best time as far as finding an actual location to hunt because if you're thinking you know during the winter time most of those leaves are not going to be on the trees so to, to find your spot you know Basically, before those leaves get on those trees, that's going to be your best time to locate the actual tree that you're going to be hunting from because you could get in there and, you know, if you were spring or summer scouting or even early fall, uh, that that whole area is going to look totally different, you know. I think what I'm I think I think we're saying something different a little bit. Maybe I've misread the question, too, but I'm saying like accessing your spot, not 
finding the spot to hunt, right. but like going through all the bedding and all the deer sign to get to your spot. I think that's what this guy's asking. It it would really depend on when you were hunting. If you were hunting at early season, then it might be more beneficial to hunt when there's leaves on the trees. If you're hunting, you know, late season after the leaf drop, uh, which is going to be a majority of the season for us down here, um, then, you know, I would say that it might be more beneficial to, to scout through, you know, before, you know, mm-hmm. there's green up. Yeah. And to the first part of that question, though, what I would say is I've Which been can there. all still be done in the spring, too. What you just said. Spring yeah. doesn't. Oh, yeah. Spring yeah. is when it's starting to get green. Right. Yeah. Um, summer is when it's already green. Right. So if you if you start going out in March, especially this year. Yeah. Leaves are off the trees, man. Right. You can you can go look. You right. Can do yeah. All that. Yeah. Good oh, stuff. yeah. That's the best time to go scouting is as after the season's over with until green up. Mm-hmm. The absolute best time because you're going to see way more sign. Uh, you know, once it green once that green up happens, I mean, you're going to be missing stuff left and right. Back to the first part of that question, I've been there, uh, and, you know, as the years went on, like, I started out with a big API, you know, climbing tree stand, trying to hike back. I'd be sweating my butt off, and then I went to the Lone Wolf uh, Assault Climber, mm-hmm. and that's what I did, but, you know, I, I really wanted something a little bit different, so then I transitioned over to the, you know, the lock-on, uh, the assault, you know, hang-on. And then, you know, I really thought it was still, you know, just a pain in the butt, you know, as far as like lugging it way back in. So then I transitioned to the Kestrel and then I really just didn't like that. So now I'm strictly ground hunting. And that for me, like, I mean, just to just to take off through the woods and to know like where you scouted and set up, you know, as far as like a ground setup, like a natural Mm -hmm. ground blind. I'm not talking about lugging like a, a pop-up blind out there because, I mean, you're just asking for it then. Yeah. Uh, but to just set up a natural ground blind, find you some brush, find a blowdown, and set up off the trail or behind, a you know, you know like a big pine tree at the base of it, mm-hmm. something to break up your silhouette, that for me is, has been killer. I've, way, I've yeah. seen... Not killer. I've, <laughs> hey, I still killed. I still killed. I still killed three bucks in a doe, and I let a, a lot of other ones pass, but... <laughs> You have to think, all of those were on the ground. Yeah. I've had, you know... And with not a lot of view either. No. If I would have been hunting on the ground for several of the deer that I killed, I wouldn't have seen them. And that's and that's what I was saying earlier about the birds especially is, you know, you may not see some of these deer traveling. You may mm-hmm. not have a heads up, you know, and see them 100 yards off heading your way uh, because I don't hunt from an elevated position. I'm on the ground. So they may be 30 yards away before I even lay eyes on them. So everything's got to be so quick, but... You know, those birds, they really, they really, you know, key yeah. you into where, where those deer are coming from. Yeah. All right. Um, this guy says he's from uh, East Texas. This is Josh Fulcher. Josh has been following us um, pretty much since the beginning. He's been a, been a supporter of the show. So thanks, Josh. Thanks for listening. Um, he said public lands I hunt here in East Texas have zero fan- planted food plots. Um, which is going to be similar to Bankhead. There's right. not a lot. Um, you don't want to set up on those anyways. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to sit on those. Uh, basically, he's saying, how do you pattern deer in the south since typical bed to feed, feed to bed doesn't really apply like it does in the Midwest? Yeah. Um, and it, I think 
it does apply, but the feed is just so, I think yeah. that's what he's saying. Right. It's not like food source bed, food source bed. It's browse and kind of walk around and then bed and then kind of go to the next spot. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot more difficult, you know, more or less, you're going to just going to have to learn an area, you know, you're going to have to hunt it multiple seasons and know how the deer move through there. I mean, that's, to be honest, I mean, that's going to be half of the, half the battle is learning how they move through. But, you know, as far as, time as, far as, as far as flatland, if it's, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the topography is like in East Texas. I guess it might be a mixture of both. Uh, yeah. It's not Depends super flat, but it's not like, yeah. Like, would, it's not like, like where we hunt. Yeah. You know? uh, I would not be the person to ask, you know, how to hunt, you know, because pretty much everything you're saying yeah is everything everything based. i know is topography based uh and you know that's a lot easier than for me you know if i was hunting flatland which you know i did have about 150 acres that i hunted this past season and it was all flat uh and all of all of it seemed to relate to cover you know for the most part mm-hmm. um all the bedding out there yeah all, all of the bedding um all the travel um they were finding little fingers to walk through um, you know, a lot of the flatland, you, you seem to have a lot of ag, mm-hmm. you know, usually in those spots, uh, or swamps, something like yeah. that. Um, so, so Josh probably find like, find a food source, um, yeah, whatever would, it is, a lot of the browse or whatever, and just hunt it. What I would do is, is find your bedding first and then work out from there. Yeah. Find your bedding, you know, Find your sign in relation to bedding. You know, if you see there's a certain rub line headed out of, you know, a bed, you know, that might be something to key in on, you know. Uh, not necessarily the bed itself. Uh, sometimes, you know, up here in Bankhead, you you might have a bed and you may never – I didn't see one deer get up out of a bed this year. But uh, here, I guess last year, not this past season, but the year before last, I kind of changed my tactic cause, uh, a little bit and uh, – I basically started hunting like main trails into like a bedding area where there's multiple beds, like on a ridge. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's where I set up now is, is on some of those major, you know, travel corridors, uh, kind of between like where that main trail is and that secondary trail that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, kind of like where the deer are on that. Cause that seems to be the easiest thing to do and not necessarily find the bed itself. Now, as far as, um, feeding goes, a lot of these deer are going to be watching their back trail all day long. You know, they'll J hook in sometimes to these bedding areas and, you know, whatever, you know, food source is going on at that specific time, that's where they're going to head. They're not going to always head, you know, straight into the wind or quarter into the wind. Otherwise they'd end up, you know, halfway across the country, you know, at some point. <laughs> but, um, but that's, that's kind of what I, what I would do. Okay. I like that. Um, Bradley Hughes asked um what your thoughts are on rambo bikes uh i wanted one uh but unfortunately we can't use anything motorized uh up here uh, is there not in certain is, parts of bankhead like is uh, like it is, is it like nothing motorized nothing there's motorized, not like a limit no. uh, like you can't use anything motorized so huh. it kind of singles you out what you can't use a bike either in in uh like the sipsy um did i <laughs> Did you see the picture I posted the other day of that sign that said, um, no horses, no horseback. Right. Right. And there's a horse skull. Like I found that skull like 
20 yards on the other side of that side. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no way. Yeah. This can't be real. Yeah. Um, but no, I would definitely have one of those Rambo bikes if I could use it everywhere. I mean, yeah. those things look legit. I, yeah, I have a mountain. Yeah, I have a mountain bike, uh, and I looked up on a really good deal, and and that's what I use to get in some of these spots. Um, you can use them on WMAs though, right? You can, yeah, you can use them on the WMA, but you can't use um, a motorized vehicle, right? Which, uh, um, you know, yeah, electric bike so, can be motorized. So Bradley, just check your like your local, yeah. Because I mean, we can't even. That. Yeah, I mean, we can't even use mineral sites or, or you know, salt yeah. in the ground here on our WMA. Like, there's so many restrictions. Like, yeah, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I like the restrictions. Now they don't always go by them. I mean, we found that you know, yeah. 12 foot, 15 foot tall shooting house that somebody built on uh, <laughs> public land. So, <laughs> oh man, Winston. But I'm County, trying. Huh? I'm trying. I'm trying to do do everything by the books. Good old Winston County. Um, you know, there was one turkey season. I heard a, uh, rifle shot and I was like, I, I mean, you hear rifle shots all the time. You're out in right. the country. It's different. You have a different feeling in Winston County though. Yeah. If you're from Alabama, you probably understand this. Yeah. It's like a deer might've just died. Yeah. Yeah. Especially <laughs> if you hear just like one shot, you know, it's not like, you know, you hear somebody like target practicing, like. Yeah, you know, shooting for like five or ten minutes, you know, <laughs> evenly spaced out. You know, this is just like, you know, one shot. You know, right at dark. Um, <laughs> good old Winston. Um, I think all these other questions have pretty much been answered. Yeah, in here. So, if you asked a question and it wasn't answered, um, yeah, I then can log on. Just and, yeah, and send a message. Michael's on the page. Check out the um, the Southern Ground Hunting Open Forum on Facebook. Uh, it's a really good page. Michael's pretty active on there, and he, he posts a lot of things. And so um, he's been starting to make a few more videos and kind of documenting some of these yeah, experiences. Yeah, maybe we can get some of them up. So um, check that out on, on Facebook. It's uh, the Southern Ground Hunting Open Forum. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Southern Ground Hunting Open Forum. That's right. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. Hey, it's your your page. Yeah, I'm the one who created the page. <laughs> you know, when you spell something so many times, you right. feel like it's misspelled. That's how I felt just now. Um, but yeah, seriously, go check that out. Michael, do you have any like closing thoughts? Uh, Anything that we didn't touch on that you really just got super excited about talking about? I really, I wrote a couple of things down, but... I really don't know if there was anything that I haven't touched on yet. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, at the hospital, you know, you, you have a doctor come by and like as soon as they walk in and like you totally forget all of your 9 million questions that you're going to ask them and you're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. I'm sick. And then they go and they're like, what the crap? You know, I have all these questions to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like kind of how you feel right now. Yeah. I feel like we covered a lot and we've yeah. been talking for quite a yeah. Like a little bit. Yeah, I'm so, sure I could keep going for another couple of um, hours. But. but if you have any questions, seriously do that. What we're going to do is Michael is going to – um, basically draw up some, uh, some map type pictures that we're going to post actually right now they're on Facebook. When you're listening to this, they will be on Facebook. So, um, he's going to just kind of post some examples of some of the yeah. things that we've, we've touched on. Nothing like too elaborate, but something yeah. where you kind of get the Simple point. Stuff. If you, if yeah. this is something you've never even heard of, um, this will probably help you out a little bit. This CSI stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> His one of one of his friends. That's what he calls the bedding, the bed hunting. Yeah, yeah. I took him. Uh, we we were actually going turkey hunting, and 
So I said, hey, I, I just like, want to interrupt real quick. Anytime you take Michael to do something other than deer hunting, <laughs> he ends up just looking at deer sign and you don't get to do what you actually came to do. Yeah, hog hunting. I figured hunting, that out hunting. when we were hog hunting. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, hey, let's go uh, Let's go kill your first turkey. Okay. So we're driving around and I had already looked at his property and I marked up about 10 spots and uh, I was, you know, he, he wasn't familiar with bed hunting or anything like that. And I said, hey, let's go, uh, let's go look at one of these spots that I marked up and while we're passing by on, you know, one of these trails. He's like, okay. So we walk off in the woods and uh, pick up a deer hair out of the leaves. And he's like, what the crap, dude? And then <laughs> How do you uh, find a deer then, hair in the woods? Yeah, he's like, okay. You know, he's like, that's cool. So then we, about an hour later, I said, hey, let's go over here to one of these other spots that we're passing by. And he's like, okay. So then we walk out there and we find five beds. And I'm, he's like, what the crap, dude? So then like we pass by like 30 minutes. Like, hey, let's go over to this other spot. We're near it. And he's like, okay. So we'll walk out and we find like 10 beds and he's like, dude, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you just got a pocket full of deer hairs or something like that. <laughs> he's like, this is some CSI stuff right here. So that's what he calls it now. But, uh, what's really cool about this is, you know, you can go with somebody and pick up on it because now he's actually found uh, quite a few beds since we last, you know, had this discussion. Um, and he actually showed his friend now. So his friends, you know, getting involved and he's like, you know, I never would have thought that this is where, you know, this, you know, bed would have been. I would have thought it had been over here in this thick pine stand, you know, like, you know, and this would have been the only spot, you know, on our property. And that's just not the case. It's not the case. Yeah. So, hey, if, if anybody wants to get together for like a Southern meetup, you know, as far as like going and and finding some beds or going over some of this stuff, I mean. That'd be sweet. If y'all are interested in that, then send us a message and say, hey, I'd be interested in doing that. Yeah. If nothing else, we just get together and hang out for a little bit. Yeah, we might not find any beds, but. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is about bed hunting is it like it is a method of hunting. It's bed hunting, just like food plot hunting. But it's also like bed hunting. Like you feel like a sense of. Yeah, like accomplishment. Accomplishment like, when yeah. you find, when a, you bed, find it's like, a when you when you can go to a property you've never been to and have, you know, five spots that you go to out of six and you've went and picked out hair, a deer hair, out of the leaves, you know, on a thousand acre piece of property, it's yeah. You know, something like you went, I'm pretty going ridiculous. Bed today. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's it's ridiculous if you think about it. It is. And I never would have thought, you know, I would have, you know, picked up on it. Uh, you know. It sounds crazy and and honestly, sometimes I will step out, go scouting or whatever. I'm like, I'm never going to find any deer here out yeah. here today. And then you do. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's crazy. You just follow the rules. And, and we could go through, you know, a whole topic on deer hair, finding yeah. old deer hair and, and new deer hair. Yeah, let's and, not do that. And fresh bedding and old bedding and different types but, of bedding for different types of the season. We could. Yeah. But let's not do that yeah. today. Okay. Uh, man, dude, Michael, thanks so much yeah. man, for coming no on. I know a lot of people uh, are really going to love this. I yeah. think they're going to really enjoy this. I just feel like we need to give a special shout out to Blake. Yeah, Blake. Blake. I, you know, I thought he might be here tonight. I was like, oh, you know, I might get to meet Blake. Get to meet Blake for the yeah. first time ever. Yeah. So Blake is like the guy that makes my sarcasm and kind of douchey comments. He kind of balances them yeah, out. Yeah. You know, and it, it kind of feels empty without him here to yeah. balance me. Out. Blake, I wish you were here. Blake had his baby. Is, yeah. is, you guys that kind of takes precedence heard, over yeah. a hunting podcast yeah I'm it sure does it sure does but sure um, his wife appreciates that 
Blake's a good dude, man. Yeah. I miss him. I feel like I had since we hadn't been podcasting <laughs> the last two weeks. I yeah. feel like I feel like uh, he doesn't want to be my friend anymore. Yeah, I know that's not true though. He's just busy. He had a new baby. Yeah. So Blake, man, we miss you, buddy. Michael, dude, again, thanks so much for coming on. No problem. Um, look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Yeah. Thanks for the microphone this time. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Um, thank you so much, Michael, for coming on this show and and just sharing a little bit of your knowledge with us. I'm sorry, guys. I got on a little bit of a, a rant there at the beginning because it was just fresh on my mind. And so if that offended you, I'm really I really am sorry. Um, I really appreciate females in the outdoors. I think that um, it is a, a great thing to have. But I really just got on a rant, and so I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Hopefully, Michael's knowledge will um, outweigh my rant at the beginning. Um, Let me think if there's anything else. Uh, Go to our store at southerngroundhunting.com slash store. We've got some really cool stuff on there. Right now, we have got a hat giveaway going on. So go to our Facebook. Just search Southern Ground Hunting on Facebook, and you will find it. And, and we're going to give away a hat of your choice to the person who can tell us their best hunting story. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of those stories in the next few days. And, um, yeah, that's all I got for today. Check us out online, southerngroundhunting.com. Um, as always, guys, it is your God-given right to have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. You guys have a great day, and I will talk to you next time on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast.